Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast... It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law will fight that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doug? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast. Version 321 asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained, people. And I imagine that you were dazzled and entertained and blown away and giddy and whatever else you might have been watching the Dallas Cowboys. As Jacques and I record this immediately after the game, the Dallas Cowboys put up 54 points in a 54 to 19 drubbing of the Indianapolis Colts, they now moved to nine and three. Only two teams in the entire NFL have better records than the Dallas Cowboys. And that, of course, would be the 11 and one Eagles and the 10 and two Vikings, who the Cowboys have already beaten. That's it. That is it. Nobody, not, not the Bills, not the Chiefs, not the Niners, no one else has better records than the Cowboys. And we're going to dive into this thing, man, because. I mean, obviously, the story is the fourth quarter, which was insane. But before we get into that, we got to tell you, as we always do, about greening law. And maybe this was the weekend somebody blew through a red light and smashed into you, or you were trying to make a turn and a big rig didn't see you and ran over you. Whatever the case may be, if you've been injured in a car accident, if you've been hurt on the premises of a business, you need tomorrow, when you're listening to this, 972-934-8900, call Robert Greening. The consultation is free. Explain what you're going through. See if you've got a case because they will fight these insurance companies for you. And, uh, you know, in, in those situations, that's really what you're looking for. Somebody who will ride with you, somebody who will rock with you, somebody who will, you know, lead you down the path and mm -hmm. tell you which way to turn because this is a long process. Matt's been through it for a long time. Uh, nothing better than to have somebody holding your hand, leading the charge and showing you what to do so you really can, you know, get better. Yes, you can. It's very easy to do. Again, consultation's free, and they only get paid if you get compensated. So 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. Weird game tonight, obviously, because the first half and the Cowboys, it starts to, they're, they're starting to give me this kind of vibe of a team that it's almost like in college football sometimes where you'll see teams that shouldn't hang with you. They'll hang for like a half. And then the other team comes out and they're like, well, we're better than you. We have more talent than you. So we're just going to kick your ass. And it feels like the Cowboys have started doing that in the second halves of some of these games in recent weeks. You look at this, a game that probably shouldn't have been as close as it was at half at 21 to 13. A couple of reasons why the Colts come out and score six points in the third quarter. And then Dallas puts up 33 points in the fourth quarter, which is the second most points that any team has ever scored in the fourth quarter in NFL history. Insane. The, the Cowboys scored 33 points in the fourth quarter. The Colts, the Colts, they had played 12 games before this. In their previous 12 games, they had only ever allowed 27 points in an entire game. And the Cowboys put up 33 in the fourth quarter. Just insane, man. It's like a video game. It was, uh, yeah. You know, we've seen this in Super Bowls before where – the turnover bug hits a team, the other team gets on a roll. It's like a basketball game. And that's just, just what happened tonight. I mean, you know, I tweeted out at one point, like, you know, it was 21 to 19 at one point. Yeah, it was. Nobody, and we're like, what are the Cowboys doing? And then yep. all of a sudden they end up blowing them out the way we thought they would. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's like somebody said, well, you know, it took them till the fourth quarter to do it. I was like, again, 
and this this drives me insane. Like I've got a buddy who's like, well, they didn't look that great in the first half. It's a four quarter football game. You don't lose the game in the first half. It doesn't matter if it took you into the fourth quarter to me. You know, to me, I'm somebody who's like, okay, you got to play all four quarters and, and good teams can do that. Teams that aren't good can't. And that's exactly what we saw with the Colts tonight. Well, I mean, I get what this person's saying, but the reality of it is, I think this is the third time they scored more than 40 with Dak at quarterback. Yeah, they've scored um, 40 or more points in three out of their last five games. Yeah, so it's no longer a fluke. They've been blowing people out. In the one game they lost, what did they do? Blow a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter for yeah. the first time in franchise history. So they've been playing good football. They've been playing at a high level. This took longer than expected, but the result was what we expected. This is five consecutive games in which they have scored 28 or more points. And again, and you, you go back to Chicago with the 40-plus, and then it was 28, and then obviously the 40 against Minnesota, and then the 28 against the Giants, and then the 54 today. I mean, this offense is rolling. And it's interesting because you go back to the first half and a couple of things that kind of that first drive, you're sitting there going, really, a three and out on the first drive against this team? And then Kelvin Joseph, the, who, and I saw your tweet, I think everybody was tweeting about him. Kelvin Joseph gives the Colts the ball to start on the 47 because of a just absolute dumbass kick catch interference penalty. Kelvin Joseph, who had a touchdown thrown on him, who apparently, because that Anthony Brown injury does not look good, and you kind of wonder, you know, Deron Bland, I was like, I had a friend who was like, well, look at Deron, Deron Bland's great. I was like, yeah, he's the slot guy. He He's playing because Jordan Lewis is hurt. So right. if if Anthony Brown's going to have to miss time, Kelvin Joseph's the guy. I mean, I don't, what are they going to do, go to Nashawn Wright? No, I mean, you drafted him in the second round. I'm sure he's been whining to his friends about opportunity. Well, now opportunity has arrived. <laughs> opportunity has definitely arrived, and we've kind of seen that that has been taken advantage of. I mean, as soon as Anthony Brown went down, you saw Matt Ryan realize that, and they targeted him on that touchdown pass when Kelvin Joseph, they knew that he was over there on that side. You know, I thought all in all we saw some nice stuff in the first half. I don't, I mean, the offense put up 21 points for you. I don't have a problem with that. I, I, I didn't anticipate the Colts probably scoring 19 points. You know, Dak had another one of those interceptions that you just kind of scratch your head at and raise your eyebrows at, like, why is this happening? You know, you can make the case that maybe they should have had an interference on that, that Gallup should have fought for the ball more. But at the same time, again, we're seeing Dak with more of these throws that are, almost like 50-50 throws that we didn't used to see him do that he does more of now that are not turning out in his favor. Well, I was trying to figure that play out. You know, my big takeaway is, why are you messing with Stephon Gilmore? Yeah. I mean, why don't you just leave him alone? I mean, they were acting like he's just a dude. I mean, it kept it like, you, it's okay to show him respect and go the other way. Or uh, as they did often later in the game, use some motion to dictate the matchup that you want and, and get the guy that you want away from from Gilmore for CeeDee Lamb or whoever it is. Uh, so that, to me, was a bigger issue. Um, a, lot of these in, in, a lot of these interceptions Dak has thrown this year I would describe as wonky. Like, they don't look normal. Yeah. Like Gallup is kind of, you know, beating on the – I mean, like, he threw it there, but then Gallup is supposed to fight through it, but then Gallup stumbles and, boop, there's the interception. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's really interesting because, again, I had somebody that said, well, turnovers are a problem for this team. You can't win in the NFL if you're going to turn it over like this. And I think it's just because people like to pick on Dak, and anytime he throws a pick or does something bad, then people think that, you know, he's the problem and they can't turn it over like this. I don't know how many people are aware of this. I would imagine it's not very many. As it sits right now with the Cowboys having just wrapped up their 12th game of the season sitting at nine and three, there are only four teams in the NFL that have fewer turnovers than the Cowboys. Only four. The Cowboys do not have a turnover problem. It, I, I think that's the perception because Dak will throw a pick or two every so often on throws where we kind of scratch our head. Well, that's a, well, that's a problem. This, they just turn it over too much. And really they don't. I mean, they, again, only four teams in the NFL heading into the Monday night game have turned it over less than the Dallas Cowboys have. Two things you never want to hear in a debate, always and never, because it's just not true. Right. Uh, you know, so many times perception is reality and, you know, what's hot on people. 
what they remember, but they don't have a turnover problem. No good team does. No, not at all, man. I mean, the Eagles, again, are one of those teams below them. Tampa, who plays on the Monday night game, is last in the NFL with nine turnovers. The Cowboys have 12. The Raiders have 11. The Titans have 11. The Eagles have 10. And the Bucks have nine. So that's Part it. Part of the reason is they don't, they don't fumble. Right. They, I mean, they're throwing some interceptions, but they're not fumbling the ball. So, you know, uh, no team goes without any turnovers in the season as long as you keep it at a manageable number. I mean, it's just part of the game. Yeah, and so all in all, man, you look at this. You know, again, that the, the first half was really interesting to me because I thought you saw some really good things. Like, for instance, when they went for it on the fourth and one call on their second drive, and I, that was in their own territory. That was a solid call, I thought, from Mike McCarthy. Zeke picks it up with a nice run of six. Next thing you know, they have they get to a third and nine, and that was the play where CD knew he wasn't down, rolls over the defender, and gets up and runs in for a touchdown. Next thing you know, you're up seven to three. Then the the Cowboys defense allows the Colts to drive the field, gets a touchdown. But you saw a couple of good things starting to unfold. Third drive of the game for the Colts, that third and five where Donovan Wilson blitzed up the middle untouched and had a sack. That was a huge one that obviously forced them to punt. So the Cowboys ended up having really good field position. Pollard breaks a 17-yard run. Then Lamb has a 22-yard catch. Next thing you know, it's 14 to 10. Yeah, it's, um, you know, out of all that stuff, the thing that sticks out to me, and I went and did a little bit of work, not a lot, just a little bit. Uh, Because I remember writing this after the first game. I actually wrote a column about it, I think. You know, just about CeeDee Lamb is not a number one receiver. You know, hopefully he can evolve into one this year. But, you know, one never really knows. Yeah. Uh, I still don't know if he's a number one yet, but he keeps making strides in that direction. Because what a number one guy does is make plays. And you see him making more and more plays. Because uh, touchdown was spectacular to uh, to keep your balance and realize that you weren't down and never break stride. Uh, but, you know, that touchdown, I think the set of Zeke's run where he cut across the field, made yeah. a couple guys miss, went down the sideline and ran over the dude at the end. Yeah. That's another, that's another big play. Then he had a nice block on uh, somebody's big run. Yeah, that was a C.D. Lamb catch on that third down that he converted where Zeke leveled that dude. Yeah, so he's doing a lot of the little things that number one receivers do. Uh, since that first game, he's averaging like six yards, six, you know, six catches and 70, 80 yards a game. He's getting to the end zone. Uh, I think he's got four TDs of 20 yards or more. He's, he's just making plays. That's what you needed him to do, and that's what he's doing. Yeah, and again, he was fantastic tonight. I mean, that one that he had that uh, where they converted that third down that CD had, and by the way, five for 71, where he threw that little juke and the defender bought it and he was able to get around. Zeke had the block and he almost scored on that one. They're, they're coming around, man. I mean, Dak was solid but not spectacular today. 20 of 30 for 170, three touchdowns through the interception, through an absolute gorgeous play. That fade that he threw to Michael Gallup was gorgeous. I thought the play where he threw it to Schultz over the middle in the end zone where I thought Schultz was going to catch that for a touchdown. You know, Indianapolis just made a great play on that to knock the ball away. You know, th- th- this offense is just – and we've mentioned – I feel like the last three or four weeks we've been talking about this. But when they get Pollard going and they get Zeke going and they're going together, I mean, th- this team is so hard to stop because they can do it in so many different ways. You know, Pollard had the 12 for 91. Zeke had 17 for 77. Zeke had a 22-yard run. Pollard, obviously, with a long 30-yard touchdown run, had a couple other long runs. They just have so much explosion potential when they get these guys on the field. Well, they ran for 220, which is a huge number. Yeah. Uh, you know, man, it's it's all coming together. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Pollard started and had the first two or three carries. Uh, I don't know what that was all about. I mean, they shared a position, but it's just interesting whenever Pollard starts because it's never happened in a normal situation. Uh, so I didn't know what to make of that. But, uh, you know, I saw something from Zeke where he really told the truth about the situation, which is last year kind of bugged me. And he's saying basically I had to kill my ego. Yeah. And understand that, that Pollard's ability to break these big plays is better for us as a team. And so now that's why I think you see him see him and them so comfortable in their roles this year. And, uh, you know, the weird thing, man, and this is what happens with Tony Pollard. I thought the Colts actually did a good job on him. 
And then because he only had the one 17-yard run, yeah, they're shutting him down and shutting him down. All of a sudden, he pops you for 30, and then he hits you for 22, and you're like, wow, he's back up to 12 for 91, just like that. Yeah, that's kind of how it works, it seems like, you know? And I think it's interesting. You look at this. This game, to me, it was really – because keep in mind, it was 14-13 late in the first half, and Dak got sacked on that third and five, and they punted it. The Colts get the ball back, and that's when Anthony Brown made that play that caused the Colt, whoever they were throwing it to, deflected it, and Hooker picked it off and gets down to the 26. And I'm like, okay, you got, you have to score a touchdown here. Like, you've got to take what Hooker did with that interception and turn it into seven. And that's exactly what they did going, essentially going into half, where he threw, that was the one where on the third and eight, Dak escaped. And Dak on the run just throws a gorgeous laser, a frozen rope to Gallup for the touchdown. And I thought going up 21 to 13 at the half, I was like, man, this is going to make it really difficult for the Colts because I don't know if this team scores 20 points. Even though they had, they had looked good in the first half and they had done some good things, I just, this, this is not a Colts offense that I feared. And then once that happened, I will say, once they got down there, and Sam Williams, by the way, who made that fantastic play uh, when the Colts had the ball to start the second half that put them in a second and long situation. But this is one thing the Cowboys do that drives me insane. I know it drives everybody insane. So they make that play. The Colts, because they started that drive so deep in their own territory, they punt it. The Cowboys started a drive at the Colts 49 and immediately get a holding call. So instead of having a first and 10 from a 49, it's a first and 20, and you're back on your own 41. What happens? First and 20, Zeke for four, Zeke for three. Next thing you know, it's third and 13. You're probably not converting that. They don't. They punt. And that leads to the Colts putting together a 90-yard drive on this defense that at the time made it feel like, okay, we might actually have a game here. No, it was a game. <laughs> it's 21-19. They just didn't get the two-point conversion, and you're like, wow. Uh, because I was also looking at it from the backdrop of the Eagles played a terrific game today and blew out what we all think is a good team in the Titans, and we're like, damn. So they blow out the Titans, meaning, I mean, you know, all year I've been like, well, at some point the Eagles will lose a couple of games. Like, maybe not. Dude, like, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're good, man. Like, for real, maybe not. And then, uh, you know, and then Dallas is struggling with a bad Colts team. And I'm just like, dang, I, I expected a little bit more. And then all of a sudden it opened up and they just they just blew them out. Yeah, I mean, it, it just started to become like over and over again. You saw all these things start to happen where they were hitting some things. When they got up 28 to 19 and they answered after again, because that was a 90 yard drive. And not only was it a 90 yard drive from the Colts where they converted multiple third downs on that, and they converted, I think, another fourth down on that. And then the Cowboys, that was a drive. You lose Anthony Brown, and, of course, Kelvin Joseph is the guy they scored that touchdown to make it 21-19. to The Cowboys came back out on the field and answered immediately, and that was the one where you have a third and 10. Dak hits CD over the middle. Nice move. They get a gain of 17. They score. At 28-19, to when they answered that Colts drive, I thought, okay, it, like it, one, I don't know that they're going to score again, but they're not scoring 28 points. Like th th that's just not happening. And then of course, what happens? Damone Clark strips Cox, Hooker picks it up, runs it back for another touchdown, and it's 34 to 19 in its ball game right there. But they weren't satisfied. They weren't satisfied. I mean, how about Deron Bland today, man? Had two really nice picks. That second one where he just stepped right in front of that dude and took it from him. You know, you had the one you talked about, the Tony Pollard breaking for that 30-yard touchdown run. That was back-to-back -back plays where Dak hits Schultz up the seam with a nice pass. Then Pollard breaks the 30-yard touchdown run. And, oh, by the way, Tyler Smith is, like, running out ahead of Tony Pollard half the way, leveling dudes like a man machine, running in front of Tony Pollard until Pollard blows by him. I mean, it was – it was, that fourth quarter was just insane and, and kind of goes to show – I mean, look, the bottom fell out for the Colts, but the Cowboys took advantage of it. And, again, this is what this team can be so good at to me – you, you got explosion on your offense because of Tony Pollard. When Dak is on, he's a very good quarterback. And this defense has people that can make plays at different levels all over the field, not only getting pressure on the quarterback, but they'll take the ball away from you. No, it's, uh, I mean, that's why they're a good team. And 
you know, some people chuckle about, you know, point differential and whether it's a big deal or not. And, you know, Tim Kalashar wrote a column about it in Dallas Morning News today. But what it does is it just shows you, you know, how much better you are than the teams that you're playing. To me, like, you know, if you have a basic point differential, it just means you're, you're happy to win, but you're not special. The bigger the point differential, the more your propensity to be special. Um, you know, as long as you examine it, it makes sure it makes sense. So that it's not a case like last year where you're blowing out these awful teams, yeah. but then you can't beat the good teams. This year, they're they're blowing out good teams and bad teams. And to me, that's impressive, man, because it's hard to win in the league. You know, most games are decided by a touchdown or less. So when you're putting up, you know, 40 and 50 points on a regular basis and you're winning by 20 points, that's a big deal. That's a sign you're a good team, for real. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, somebody had tweeted at me earlier, like, I don't know. Basically, I ended up muting them because I was like, I'm just not going to deal with this type of idiocy where it was, I don't know why you get so excited. They're beating trash teams. They haven't beaten anybody good. And it took them until the fourth quarter to do that. And I'm sitting here going, right, okay, so let's, the Colts are trash. What do you want a team to do to trash? Beat them 54 to 19. Like, like that's like that's way more than I thought that they, the Colts have a solid defense. Again, no team that they have played all year had put up more than 27 points on this Colts defense. Their offense isn't any good, and we saw that tonight. The, the fact that they did this and they got 54 points, and I know the defense contributed that, but still, I mean, they mauled this team. This was, I mean, when they turned it on, the Colts had absolutely no answers. This was a fantastic win for the Cowboys tonight, and they did it in a variety of different ways. You look at it with the five takeaways. They had, what was it? They ended up with three sacks of Matt Ryan. They ended up, I think, with like like six or seven tackles for a loss. It was six. They had seven quarterback hits. They had seven passes defensed. This was a phenomenal game all the way around, and you had a variety of guys on your defense that made huge plays, from Donovan Wilson to Deron Bland to Sam Williams to Demarcus Lawrence, who had a couple of big ones. Obviously, we know that Mike is going to be everywhere. Hell, that one play, I think Leighton Vanderash was credited with one tackle in this game. That one tackle might have saved the touchdown. Oh, no, it's a huge thing. Guy slipped out in the flat. Yeah. Uh, they threw it over to safety who was blitzing on the play, and he's got none but sideline in front of him, and uh, Leighton chased him down. Uh, it was almost a horse collar tackle, but he, but he got him down. And, you know, those are those underrated plays that, that can change a game. Um, and, you know, the Cowboys are the beneficiaries of several of them tonight. But the bigger issue is, man, they ran for 220 yards. They controlled the line of scrimmage. They kept Jonathan Taylor in check. He had a solid game, but he didn't do anything spectacular. And, you know, I'm, I'm just really impressed with the offense. Defense and special teams, you know, I pretty much take for granted. But that offense, man, if you're going to be able to to run the ball like that and dictate to teams, you can do some damage uh, in playoffs. Yeah, and again, you know, go back to what you said about they held Jonathan Taylor in check. Think about this a few games ago where we were at with this team, where we were all sitting here and we talked about it on the podcast because you're sitting here going, okay, this is great. So the Packers just ran all over them and – in their next three games, they've got Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, and Jonathan Taylor coming to town. And all they have done is, now granted, some of this is because of what the offense was doing. They dictated the game, and some of these teams were unable to run as effectively as they probably wanted to. But reality being 73 yards to the Vikings, 90 yards to the Giants, and tonight only 106 to the Colts. But more importantly, to your point, Jonathan Taylor, 21 for 82 at 3.9 per carry. I think you would take that against a back like him every day of the week. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And his long run was 19, so if yeah. you take that one away, you know, it's really like 20 for 60-something. Uh, so, and who wouldn't want that? That's, I mean, that's basically three, three yeah. yards to carry. So, you know, Jonathan Hankins, uh, the big, uh, for, I think I guess they, they trade for him. I can't remember how they acquired him. Yeah, Hankins, yeah. Uh, but, you know, he made a couple plays today. But I thought the safeties were really active, whether it was Dunham, Vin Wilson, whether it was J. Ryan Curse, They were both around the line of scrimmage a lot, making plays. And, uh, you know, there's a reason why this defense only gives us 17 points a game, man. Yeah, there is. And it was pretty much right on it tonight at 19. So two things here, as you pointed out, Zeke didn't start the game. Jerry has said in the postgame it was due to a disciplinary issue because that is the first time in his career that he played in a game and did not start. 
Elliot obviously declined to explain. And then reports emerging on Twitter. I was trying to see who it was. One of the Cowboys guys, it's Gelkin. Gelkin has tweeted out that the Cowboys fear a season-ending Achilles rupture for Anthony Brown. Ooh, that's a bad that's a bad injury for a cornerback. Yeah. Is he not in the contract year? Yeah, I don't know. Let's see if he is or not. But that if he is, man, that is I mean, obviously it's bad for the Cowboys because you want Anthony Brown out there, but my goodness, dude, if he's in a con let's see. Because if he's in a contract year, that would be a horrible thing for him. And you're right, he is. He is a free agent after this season. I think that um, it was really interesting because he had a he had a very interesting night. Um, the thing I like about AB, he's he's always been one of my favorite dudes, Boilermaker, is that he's very competitive. Uh, he gives up a play, he comes back, he'll make a play, uh, and and so he's one of my favorite dudes. So it's always disappointing when he gives up a big play and I have to tweet out like, you know, this seems to be a regular occurrence these days. Uh, but, you know, the, the good thing is that uh, he came back, he created that interception with a tip ball, he deflected another one. And, you know, what we have to understand, and I have to do it myself, if you're not Deion Sanders, bro, you get beat. Yeah. And, and it's okay. <laughs> you give up touchdowns, you get, if you're not Deion Sanders or Darrell Revis or one of those cats, or maybe even Trayvon Diggs who got beat today, and he's gotten beaten so rarely this year. I was like, oh, wow, I haven't seen that in a minute. Uh, but here's my point. Anthony Brown's a solid NFL cornerback. That's a big difference between a guy like Boss Man Fat trying to replace him who's just a guy. Yeah, that's true, man. The only saving grace to me is that Boss Man Fat Kelvin Joseph has some pedigree. He's a second-round pick. All right. Now he's going to get a chance to start and play, and he knows it. And so maybe you'll get the best version of him because he knows they don't have any anywhere else to go. I got to play. And so, you know, maybe he'll study, you know, more than he's been studying or, you know, whatever it is. He'll just take advantage of this opportunity because that's what life is all about. You get opportunities, and then it's about whether you maximize it because if you do and dominate it, you'll get more opportunities. And if not, he'll fade away and, uh, you know, disappear from the Cowboys soon. Yeah, he, he's going to get that chance. I, I kind of wonder what else they'll do. I brought up the name Nation Wright, who was a draft pick of theirs from a couple of years ago as well. He's still on the team. I, I know we forget about him. He's actually played this year. He's played 37 special team snaps, and that's it. Yeah. He has not played a single defensive snap. So you got to hope that you can ride with Kelvin Joseph. I'll be curious to see. Again, you know, I, I don't know that there's, there's not an Odell Beckham Jr. version of that on as cornerback sitting out there waiting for you to come sign him. Nah, man, it's a tough position. Um, I'm sure they'll check the waiver wire. They'll check the practice squads and see who's available. But, uh, you know, it's tough this time of year because you can't make a trade. You just got to deal with your hole. And, you know, like I said, Kelvin Joseph has pedigree. Let's see if he can finally put it to use. Yeah, I mean, here's here's your shot, man. You want to be in the league? Make it happen. Because if not, you won't be in the league because we didn't think you are going to be on this team next year anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's Correct. just reality. So the Cowboys, I mean, again, a monster win, 54 to 19. I, I don't even know. I, I don't know what the negative is in this thing. They were 7 of 13 on third down. They put up 385 yards of offense they only had the one turnover and yeah, we already talked about the throw with Dak. Awesome. But when you're plus four in turnover margins, they only committed three penalties in this game. This was a really solid game from a really good football team. They were favored by 11 and they win by what is that? 35 points. And you look at this, we saw what they did to Minnesota in Minnesota's own stadium. So just based on everything we've seen, this is the second best team in the NFC to me right now. Uh, I don't know about that, bro. You got them. You, I think San Francisco might be better right now. Well, it, it, I, you got to show me that you can do it without Jimmy G. Uh, you know, that's true. Losing Jimmy G yeah. is a big deal for them because I know Brock Purdy came in and Brock Purdy was fantastic. He was still a essentially a third-string quarterback coming into this year. And you're talking about a guy like you've talked about, and we've mentioned this many, many times. Brock Purdy is a guy who was drafted. He's a rookie. He was the last pick in the draft this past year. 
And if they're going to roll with him, again, it takes four or five games to get all that stuff on tape so you kind of understand what to do with somebody like that, which will be right around the time the season ends and they get ready for the playoffs. I I don't know that I'm buying that the 49ers are going to win this thing with Brock Purdy. And maybe I'm wrong because Shanahan can scheme some things to protect him, and they've got a lot of offensive weapons, but it's... I don't know. It, it, I think, you know, before Garoppolo had happened, I, I might have given you the 49ers. But now to me, I, I got to put the Cowboys ahead of the 49ers because because of that injury to Garoppolo. Yeah, I mean, I can buy that. Uh, but their defense has been playing so good. They shut down that high power passing attack from the Dolphins today. And I'm just like, wow, you know, they're good, man. I mean, you know, again, I don't know that anybody the Eagles are starting to look to me like the class of not just the NFC, but the class of the NFL. To me, right now, if the season were going to end after this week, I, I, I think Jalen Hurts is the MVP. I don't think that that's like weird, crazy, it? but it does. <laughs> Jalen Hurts today was 29 of 39 for 380 yards and three touchdowns. A.J. Brown went ballistic. Brown and Devontae Smith both went over 100 yards. They, they just have... Jalen Hurts is doing the damn thing. And their defense is really good, too. Man, I just hope Dallas can win the next two games and set up this war. I do, too. I do, too, because... And I was kind of hoping the Titans might get them today so that that would put some weight on that game because now the Eagles go on the road. They have a, a road game next week against the Giants and then a road game the following week against the Bears. It would... Look, it's the NFL. Anything can happen. A divisional game on the road is always tough. I kind of expect that the Eagles are somehow going to be 13-1 and one when they play the Cowboys. Right. In, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that Dallas is going to catch the Eagles because it's hard to see. They only have, there's only five games left in the regular season. And the Eagles Damn. play the Giants, the Bears, the Saints, the Giants, and the Cowboys. Dude, they're looking like 16-1, and one, brother. It wouldn't <laughs> unless the Cowboys can get them, and they got that game in Dallas on on Christmas Eve. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I but, mean, I'm sorry, I, I meant fifteen and two. Yeah, but even if you're fifteen and two, Cowboys, Cowboys can't catch you, right? And, and um, okay, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, far more than I like to do. But was that set up in a normal situation? I mean, they go to uh, Tampa for the first playoff game. Yeah, that's what it looks like right now. Yeah, because Tampa will be the worst divisional winner. Because Tampa right now is winning their division. And again, they play tomorrow night on Monday night as we record this. But they are 5-6. and six. So if they beat the Saints tomorrow, they'll be 6-6. Six and six. San Francisco's 8-4 and four leading the West. The Vikings have almost... This is insane. If the Vikings... I believe this is right. If the Vikings win next week, they clinch the North. Wow. Because they're 10-2. and two, and the Lions and the Packers are both five and seven and five and eight. And the, the Bears are actually officially eliminated from playoff contention already. Jeez. Yeah. That's kind of so, sad, brother. <laughs> yeah. So that sets it up where the the Eagles would get the first round by, the Vikings would host the seven seed, and then San Francisco would host the six seed. And the Cowboys, because they didn't win their division, they would be the five seed, the wild card, the highest ranked wild card, and they would go on the road to Tampa to play an NFC wildcard game. That's actually very realistic to happen. No, no, no. Because, I mean, at this point in the season, you are who you are. So, to me, upsets don't really happen all that much uh, because, you know, the good teams beat the bad teams. Right. And so, um, no, that's why I was asking you. See, I've already said it looks kind of like Tampa Bay. And I'm, I got to tell you, Tampa Bay don't scare me right now. And uh, that's not a bad draw if that's, if that's who it turns out to be. If that's who it turns out to be, it's still Tom Brady in the playoffs. And I don't like that aspect of it. But I do like that you've seen him before and that you've played him competitively and Dak got hurt. You know, you go on the road and then you see what happens after that. But most likely, despite the fact, I mean, let's be honest about this, the Cowboys with five games left, let's say they go four and one, they could be a 13 and four team that has to go on the road to get to the Super Bowl. Right. And I'm okay with that. Just because here's what I here's what I do, bro. Yeah, yeah, everybody wants home field, no doubt about that. What's more important to me? Because they had home field last year, but they weren't playing good. They were blowing out bad teams, but they didn't look the part, even though the record was nice. I far prefer for them to be playing good, looking the part, 
the way that they play defense, special teams, run game. You can take that on the road, bro, and have success. So that don't bother me. I'm much more concerned about how they play. If they're playing well at a high level like they've been, yeah, bring on the Bucks. Yeah, and, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, again, to this point right now, from everything we've seen, the Eagles just look like the team to beat, man. And I mean the team to beat in the NFL. You know, Mahomes got got today by Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. It's kind of funny because nobody had been talking about them earlier in the year. They started kind of slow, but Cincinnati has won four in a row and all of a sudden is eight and four tied with Baltimore atop the AFC North. And Baltimore just lost Lamar Jackson for probably a couple of weeks minimum. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's an opportunity to make a move for them right now, too. Yeah, and you look at this man. Miami obviously looks beatable today. Kansas City, who knows? It's tough to beat Kansas City if you have to go through Kansas City in the AFC. Buffalo would be hard to beat, but Josh Allen leads the NFL in interceptions. So, who knows, man? This is this is why you play because this is fun. This is I I, I I really hope I man. Come on, I'm gonna I'm pulling for the Giants this weekend, <laughs> man. Because okay. if, if somebody if somebody can just trip up the Eagles then that sets up a chance for the Cowboys in three weeks. If they can beat Houston and Jacksonville, you could have, let's say, what would that be? A 12 and two Eagles team against an 11 and three Cowboys team. And you got a chance to beat them and you both have three losses with two games left to play. Yeah. And maybe, uh, maybe the Giants will give them a game next week. Maybe it'll be kind of a trap game after a big win over uh, Tennessee. Everybody will be kissing their butt all week and maybe they'll, they won't pay quite enough attention to the Giants. Maybe. It's hard to see that, man, because we talk about point differential, as you mentioned it earlier. Dallas leads the NFL in point differential, obviously now, at plus 127. Buffalo is second. Philly is third at plus 112. And, and you know, San Francisco's not far behind at plus 92. It really feels like, however you want to order them, those are the three best teams in the NFC, are Philadelphia, Dallas, and San Francisco. And then you throw in... I mean, th- this is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. But I'm here for it because what a win tonight was. And Houston's god-awful. I mean, they they ought to beat Houston 54-0 to next week. I was going to say, they might be worse than that. I mean, H- Houston's 1-10-1. They're horrible. They lost to the Browns today in Deshaun Watson's first game back, 27-14. to I don't know that Houston has played a game. I was trying to look at their schedule. They had the tie. They had the win, and they had one loss by three points. But they have now lost, what is that, seven in a row. In the closest game in their seven-game streak, they lost to the Titans by seven. And they lost to the Giants by eight. But, I mean, you know, this is a team that, generally speaking, is just getting blown off the field. Dude, it's some, it's some tough times. Like, they haven't scored more than uh, 17 points in six games. Uh, they're going to have a hard time scoring against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I expect another blow-off uh, next week. I mean, they've lost seven in a row, and they are a minus 99 in point differential, which is by far the worst in the NFL. Like I said, the games in the NFL are typically close. The fact that the Cowboys are blowing out people is something you got to take notice of. I mean, man. But it was fun because it was fun tonight. I, I was really, once that fourth quarter got going and, they they just, you know, that's what good teams do, man. They take advantage of situations and they put their foot on the throat of their opposition and crush them. Kind of like Philadelphia did to Tennessee, who's a good team. And, and like da- a walnut. Yeah, and, and Dallas still has to play Tennessee coming up. That's going to be a test, I think. I think. You know, after what the Eagles did to them, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a road game for Dallas. But first up, Texas or Houston. In Dallas for a noon kick coming up next Sunday, and then on the road in Jacksonville for a noon kick before you get to that Christmas Eve game. God, I cannot wait for that. Can you imagine a season with a game against the Eagles when both teams are really good and both teams are over 10 wins? That's going to be awesome. No, that, that should be spectacular. We just need the Cowboys to uphold their end of the bargain these next couple of weeks. Yeah, they do, man. And by the way... Cowboys are one win away from securing their first back-to-back 10-win season since 1995 and 1996. Yep, we've said that quite a bit, and uh, now it'll be time to bury it once and for all if they get there. Is it okay to start giving props to Mike McCarthy? Oh, I've been giving props to Mike McCarthy. (laughs) I know, that's what I'm saying is, you know, maybe it's time we start to realize maybe Mike McCarthy is a fairly decent head football coach, huh? Well, he's running the team. The best thing he did 
was uh, deciding the offseason needed to focus on the running game, make that the epicenter of the offense. And then once the season started, I forget which game it was, but he just reminded Kellen Moore, run the fucking ball, dude. Yeah. And uh, Kellen Moore has remembered that, and he, I'm pretty sure he hadn't had to talk to him about it since then. Yeah, because it is working. Nine and three for the Dallas Cowboys. So as we continue here, we need to tell you, of course, about Bruce Biltong. If you haven't had a chance, I'm going to tell you this again. This is the best time of the year because they make it, it's such a, a good gift. If you go and you grab some Bruce Biltong, you can get it online at B-R-U-E. What? B-R-U-S, B-I-L-T-O-N-G, BruceBiltong.com. Promo code JAM15 to check out for 15% off your order. It makes a great gift because it's unique. A lot of people are still like, Bill, what is Biltong? It's like oh. beef jerky, but it's better than beef jerky. Yeah, man. It comes from the butt section of the meat. And then they cut it into strips, which is why I call it butt strips. It's delicious. It's succulent. It's savory. Uh, I mean, it's... <laughs> I keep saying this because it's true. Just order it. Send us a thank you. Send us a thank you card later. You'll you'll thank us literally because it's so good. It's also got, you know, I like it because it's a good snack, man. It's got 230 calories. It's not very much. It's got 30 grams of protein. All that stuff is good for you. Ain't got no carbs in it, man. It's a natural thing. It's fantastic. It is indeed. It's bruisebiltong.com. So check it out. Support him. He supports us. We appreciate that. You guys give him, order him for some gifts. The person you give it to is going to love it at bruisebiltong.com. Also, Freeway Tire Shop, JR and his crew making it happen for you there. Whether it's an inspection, an oil change, you need new tires, all those things that are important with car maintenance on the regular, you can get that done. And he's going to take care of you and stand behind his work. The mechanic you can trust. If you haven't checked him out yet, do it now. Go in December for whenever you need to get stuff done to your car and finally make that track over there to Freeway Tire Shop and let JR and his crew show you what a mechanic can be. No, man, I, I ride with JR, man, because, you know, just like your, your doctor who takes care of your body, you need a doctor for your car, man. It's all about trust, like for real. I mean, you know, I trust him to diagnose the issue and then use the quality parts to fix the issue. Then, man... This is a lost art. <laughs> Trust him to charge me a fair price for the work that he does. Imagine that. Just a fair price. Don't gouge me, bro. And then I trust the man to stand behind his work. If you can find a guy who could do that like JR can, then go rock with him. But I can't, and so JR's my guy. He's just five minutes up the road and from downtown, right up 35 off of Commonwealth. Go through the light. He's on the right. You can't miss him. Uh, anytime you boys from Jam Session, send him. He'll get you taken care of. It's Freeway Tire Shop. You can check them out on their website where you can go. You can schedule your appointment or you can request a quote at freewaytireshop.com. So while we have some time, we got to get into the big news because I texted you, man, I guess this was yesterday. Jokingly, you're going with Dion to Colorado. <laughs> and as many people probably know by now, Dion Sanders has been officially introduced as the new head football coach of the Colorado Buffaloes. It is a really fascinating hire for a program like Colorado because they have languished for a long time. This is, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. I was like, people forget Colorado won a national title in 1990. Like in 1990, which is now granted that 32 years ago, but Colorado won a national title. And the guy's like, they've won a national title. I was like, yeah, they've just. Yeah, they were good for a long time. Yeah, in the 90s, they were good. They were competitive. They were a regular top 15 program. Then they dropped off at a cliff in the last 20 years. They have one season in which they finished ranked inside the top 25. Yeah, it's kind of wild. And so kinda now Dion is tasked with really turning around. They went 1-11 this past year. They're generally looked at as one of the worst Power 5 programs in the country that actually has not like a Vanderbilt, you know, like Vanderbilt, you're probably never really going to do anything. Not, but like Colorado has shown you can win at Colorado. And so for where they actually can be and where they are, that they're by far the worst program. And there's been some holdups and stuff where they've had problems with transfers because apparently like academically, it's hard to get people in there and they lose a lot of their credits. And from what I've been reading with Dion, that was something that they were going to try and relax a little bit or work and make sure that he can get these kids in that he's going to need and using the portal to try and turn this thing around really quickly in a conference, by the way, in which he should be able to walk in and have pretty quick success. Um, I think it'll take him two years to get 
like 500 range. And then after that, year three, I think he'll be ready to 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 make a move, I think. But, you know, man, uh, I think he'll be good. Dion De- knows what he's doing uh, because he gets people, you know, he's one of the most charismatic people you'll ever meet. And he gets people to, and I tweeted this out earlier, he gets people to not just understand his vision, but to see it, to touch it, to feel it, and make it their own. And he does it because he is relentless with the messaging. I mean, just absolutely relentless with it till it just becomes second thought to you. He's all about manifestation and speaking into existence what you, what you want to occur. And, um, you know, the other thing he is, man, is um, he's very authentic with the players. Yeah. Like he told those guys today, basically, in Colorado, a lot of y'all probably need to go and jump in the portal. <laughs> yeah, he did. He said he was bringing baggage. Like he's bringing a lot of his guys, it sounds like, from Jackson State. Well, he's not bringing a lot. He's probably bringing somewhere between eight and ten. But he's going to fill the roster up with guys off the portal. And he should because they didn't, Colorado didn't have a single player on the Pac 12 uh, first or second team all conference who's coming back. They had one guy who was second team. There's no talent on the roster. So, yeah, you might keep a couple of offensive linemen for depth just because it's hard to get that size. But all the skill possession people, everybody else, you know, you just take a look at them and just go, you know, if you, if you can't play, you can't play goodbye. Uh, it sounds harsh, but that's the nature of the beast. That's how most college programs work. Because don't forget, scholarships are year-to-year and renewal. They're not a four-year scholarship. It's renewed annually. Uh, I was reading some stuff about him today or over the last couple of days. And, like, the uh, the one thing I don't get is people say, well, you know, he doesn't have much of a name in Colorado. And, you know, he's going to have to recruit recruit regionally and this and that. And and I had a friend of mine tell me that. And I was like, dude, your thinking is so old school, it's ridiculous. What do you, like, he doesn't have much of a name in Colorado. Like, people don't know who he is? Well, they're comparing that to, like, if he was in Florida or something. Huh? Um, it's Deion yeah. Sanders. I mean, bro. Everybody bro. knows who Deion is. He's all over television all the time. That's why I said it was silly to me. Uh, but here's the other thing. And this is, this is, um, this is kind of information you get from us that you don't get from other people, which is Rick George, the athletic director, was a college teammate in Illinois of Tim Brewster, who coached tight ends for uh, Jackson State this year. Uh, and he uh, he's the one who kind of started Colorado down this road by saying, yo, my boy would be a great head coach. I don't know if he's interested in Colorado, but my boy would be a great head coach. You should talk to him. And so uh, that relationship started. But here's the deal. Tim Brewster uh, was teammates with a guy named Dave Logan, who used to play uh, with the Cleveland Browns back in the day. Dave Logan is the only player ever drafted in three sports, Matt. How's that for a little trivia? That is amazing. Uh, Football, basketball, baseball, drafted in all of those. And you're like, why do we care about some old dude for the Cleveland Browns who was drafted in three sports? You really don't. He's now a high school head coach at the best high school program in the state of Colorado called Cherry Creek, mm-hmm. which is basically, you know, their version of South Lake Carroll or Austin Westlake or, you know, pick a pick a power like that. Yeah, I see here. That's, I Googled that dude and, and they just won their fourth consecutive <clears throat> class 5A state title. Right. Didn't I tell you he was Tim Brewster's uh, yeah. uh, former teammate? Tim Brewster, I think he told me he'd be at Cherry Creek on Monday in the hallways talking to players. My point is they'll, they'll make relationships like that work. But the other thing is he's going to have a staff of maniacal recruiters like Tim Brewster, who's the guy who recruited Vince Young, for those of you who don't know. That yeah. may resonate with you. Um, was he any good? I, yeah. You know. <laughs> Andre Hart, the linebacker's coach, uh, he was on the field recruiting people after a championship game with the SWAC championship game, doing that whole calling people from the field. Yeah. And then uh, they got a couple others. Um, but then they got the ultimate closer. So... 
you know, you think that um, what's our guy at TCU, Sonny Dykes, uses the portal and transformed SMU pretty quickly. Uh, Dion's going to they'll probably have 60 new players this year and the whole team will be swapped out in two years. Yeah, it's going to be – I'm fascinated. They've already got a four-star rec- yeah. receiver today. Yeah, I saw that. And, and I'm fascinated to see because Colorado right now is ranked 41st in recruiting rankings. But keep in mind that the early, po- the early signing period is December 21st, and it's for three days. And so I, this is one of those from what I've read, and, and I'll probably actually have a couple recruiting guys on the show in the next couple of weeks because it's a big deal here. I'll be really curious to see – how many of because nobody has signed anything and people have just committed if there are some kids that have committed elsewhere even other pac-12 schools and now that dion's going to be the coach at colorado if you see colorado be one of those teams that makes a big jump in the next couple of weeks leading up to that early signing period oh i don't think there's any doubt that that's going to happen i don't think there's any doubt that that's going to happen uh, matter of fact one of their coaches told me oh we're going to flip a lot of guys in the next few days um they, they are I'm telling you, man, <laughs> they're going to be a recruiting machine um, because here's the deal. They use social media like no other college program does at Jackson State. They're going to do the same thing at, at Colorado, so it's going to be more because they got more more resources. Yeah. And what he does is he's not he's not like all these other fuddy-duddy coaches who are afraid to let you in the team meetings or afraid to let you in practice. I'm talking about the fans and the players. And so when he's putting all that on social media, that's just free advertising for him. Like, do you want to get down like this? Do you want to rock with this? Look how much fun we're having in the locker room with Snoop Dogg and Rick Ross and all these other rappers in there before a game. And then we go out and kick everybody butt. You don't want to be part of that? You know, um, they have a rap challenge every now and then, offense, defense. Yeah. Um, but he's also hard on guys. You know, he suspended his son for this game for violating the team rule. Um, so you see all that he's all about and that's a recruiting tool in and of itself yeah um, I've talked to so many players on this team this year man who was like oh yeah I, you know, I never thought I'd play for him I was just following him on social media so you know dude I, f- I find it hard to believe he's not going to succeed it's just a matter of how long it takes yeah it's going to be fascinating That that'll be you know I mean again just it, whoever that is that thinks nobody knows him in Colorado. I mean, the name recognition alone, you know, I, I, I would not be surprised. And I would imagine that college game day hasn't been to Boulder, Colorado in forever. But yeah, they'll be. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, they, they already went to Jackson State this past season. You know, and that's one of those things like it wouldn't surprise you at all because of that, because it's Dion, you know, as a matter of and, and maybe it's not even that maybe it's because TCU is making the playoff that first Saturday next year Colorado plays at TCU in Fort Worth but you know stuff like that when they have an opportunity to get some exposure for that program in games like that where before nobody would even think like well Colorado TCU who cares well now it's Deion Sanders first game as a head coach at TC at, at, at Colorado going up against a team that just was in the playoff last year I wouldn't be surprised at all a college game day goes to that game I don't know it's gonna be lit, man. And uh, he's fun. He's good, but he's a terrific coach, man. His attention to detail um, is sublime. Uh, the way he he leads people and organizations is unbelievable. And um, I can't remember if I told you this uh, or I told somebody else, but I was talking to son Shiloh a few weeks ago, and I was just like, "Why is your dad such a good coach?" And he goes, "Oh, he's just always got better players than everybody else." And he said it very matter-of-factly. Yeah. And it was just like, uh, yeah, he does. And eventually he'll have better players than most people in Colorado. And, uh, you know, um, they'll win some football games. They will. And, and how about this? So his first game next year at TCU, week two, maybe college game day goes to this game. It's at Folsom Field there in Boulder. Week two, Nebraska's coming to town with Matt Rule. How about that? So, I mean, again, you, you could do worse than, hey, it's Matt Rule, Deion Sanders, as they try to turn around their program. I mean, I'm just speculating, obviously. Who knows? But 
I'll tell you this. I never paid any attention to the Colorado Buffaloes, and now I'll, I'll be – I know people will be keeping an eye out there and looking at that program to see what he can do because he moves the needle. I mean, he moves the needle. No, dude, they had uh... – I looked at the YouTube thing, man. I think they had a million views of his press conference today. Dang. They had almost a million views of his seven-minute seven minute meeting with the uh, with Colorado's players. It's uh, Yeah, know, I watched life it. Is, life has changed for those people. It, <laughs> it certainly has, man. It certainly has. I tell you this, you know what else will move the needle for you? When you get a bite of that jam session bowl over there at Smokey John's Barbecue. And if you haven't had a chance to swing by, and I'll tell you this, I'm stoked because I, I will definitely be going. I will be in Dallas for a few days coming up in between Christmas and New Year's. And I will definitely be swinging by Smokey John's. I'm going to take Maddox. Maybe I'll take my brother, whoever's in town. And we're just going to go and crush one of those jam session balls, man, because I can't wait to have it. I know you guys can't wait to have it. If you hadn't have it, you need to get over there and check out the jam session bowl from Smokey John's. Oh, no, man, it's fantastic. A little mac and cheese, a mashed potato base, your choice of two out of five smoked meats. You know, your boy, what do I rock with? Sausage and brisket 99% of the time. And then, man, they put all the toppings that you find on a loaded baked potato. Butter, sour cream, chives, bacon bits. Oh, boy, is it good. It is delicious. man, man, they drizzle it with that sauce, and uh, it's delicioso moso, if that's the word. Yes, delicioso, Uh, delicioso moso. I don't even know what we're saying now. But it's fantastic. It's a bunch of food. It's enough for two people with some leftovers. Uh, if you got a kid, maybe six, seven, y'all, all three of y'all can polish it off. It's uh, but it's a great deal, man. It's good food, and it is fantastic. So check them out at Smokey John's Barbecue right over there off Mockingbird in between Love Field and 35 in the Dallas area. And if you're not in the Dallas area, and I've talked about this before, I've got bottles of Smokey John's barbecue sauce at my house, and I'll order barbecue in Alabama, and when we bring home our leftovers, I use Smokey John's barbecue sauce on the Alabama barbecue because it's so freaking good, and you can order that, and they'll ship it to you wherever you're at if you go to SmokeyJohns.com, so check them out. Also, of course, HFX Foundation Solutions, Aaron and his crew, man, they'll get you taken care of. And you don't want to mess with foundation. If you feel like you may have a problem, it's a free, no obligation inspection. You can give them a call at 817-770-0174. Have Aaron and his guys come out and, and see. Maybe you have a problem, maybe you don't. But with your foundation, you start noticing those cracks and sticking doors and stuff. You want to get out ahead of it as much as possible so that you save yourself what can potentially be thousands of dollars in damages the longer you let it go. Man, just have Aaron come over and give your house a colonoscopy for the crib. I mean, that's what we say it all the time. We, we laugh when we, when we talk about it, but it's about peace of mind. Just like a colonoscopy is peace of mind for your body, colonoscopy for your crib is peace of mind for your house, bro. So have Aaron and his team come out and, and give you the once over and if they do find something as Matt said chances are it's a fraction of cost of what it'll be if you find it late that's right man 817-770-0174 or online at hfxfoundation.com so before we wrap this up here the college football playoff is set Georgia and your boys Ohio State the four seed and then the two three game Michigan and TCU what sucks for you, because I think Ohio State is like might actually be able to give Georgia a game. I don't think Michigan or T- – if Michigan or whoever wins that other game is going to get destroyed by Georgia, I think. But the problem is Ohio State, that's basically a road game because the game's going to be at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, and that crowd will be you know, 75 80% Georgia fans. And Georgia's a really, really good team. But you got in. You got a shot. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find some reasons for optimism. I don't have very many. Um, probably my biggest reasons are op- for optimism are that they were so embarrassed against Michigan that uh, you shouldn't have any problem getting their full attention, <clears throat> even though you're in the playoff. And then number two is there's a chance that, uh, you know, your boy from Rockwell, Jackson Smith and Jigba, yeah. who's missed most of the year with a hamstring, uh, there's a chance he, he can come back and help. Uh, they should have both their running backs healthy, uh, which was not the case against Michigan. Not not that I'm sure it made any difference since they didn't play defense. But, uh, you know, hopefully with all your offensive weapons, C.J. Stroud could look more like a, uh, you know, top five pick. 
And, you know, Georgia's got a great defense, so. Uh, but, you know, you have a shot. You have a puncher's shot. Uh, they got great talent. I'm talking about Ohio State. And, uh, you know, me and my son will be watching it. Yeah. I mean, they, they've got – that's the thing is that they've got talent. Like, talent – Georgia's not going to overwhelm them with talent like they like if Georgia played TCU they'd win by 35 points like like Georgia just has so much more speed and talent and depth than a team like a TCU does and that's kind of what we've seen like last year when Georgia played Michigan in the in the semifinal and wiped the field with them you know there's not a lot of teams in the country that have that kind of talent And, and maybe Michigan has a little bit more I have a hard time believing TCU beats Michigan. I don't buy into TCU at all. I, I, I Clearly. I, I don't know what to tell you guys, but somehow they have stumbled and, and continually just find ways to win. But, you know, I, I think they deserve to get it. It's like people people were messaging me and stuff. I'm like, oh, you're just a Bama homer because you live there and stuff. I, I'm not. Personally, I don't really care. I think Alabama is one of the four best teams. I thought TCU was one of the four most deserving teams. Like, I thought they deserved to get in because to me, like, my argument to Bama is, okay, well, you shouldn't have lost two games then. I don't care if they were on the last play or on the road. TCU lost one game and played an extra game. And in the games, as you know, if they played 12 games and you played 12 games, they didn't lose any of theirs. So I, I actually thought it was pretty easy for the committee. There were four teams that had one loss or less. Put those four teams in there. And then, you know, Tennessee, Alabama, USC, whoever else wants to argue to me, I'm like, okay, well, you shouldn't have lost two games. But you did, so you don't get a chance. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. But, yeah, I, I don't think TCU is one of the four best teams in college football, and, and I thought K-State showed that. You know, they've had a couple of and, – and they can prove me wrong. They, go out, beat Michigan. I don't think they will, but knock yourself out, beat Michigan, and then prove to me that Georgia doesn't beat you by 55 points. Pretty much. <laughs> That's how I feel. I think Ohio State would beat TCU by 35 points. Yeah, I don't know about that, bro. I mean, I, I just, the speed of these teams is different than what, and people, well, they have Quentin Johnson. He's really, really fast. Yeah, I get it. They have like one or two guys that are really fast. Teams like Ohio State and Bama and Georgia have like all their guys are really fast and all their defensive guys are faster than your defensive guys. That's just reality. I'm just being honest. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> That's what you do best, buddy. <laughs> and then people want to argue. And, 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 and I'll tell you this, and I told the lady this because she's obviously an Alabama person having gone to Alabama, but this is real. I was kind of hoping that Alabama wouldn't get in the playoff because people are like, oh, boy, you, you were all about Bama in the playoff. I was like, I'll tell you straight up, if Bama had made the playoff, I was going to have to work that week after Christmas. <laughs> and I was planning on taking off, so I was hoping they wouldn't get in because now I don't have to work. And I can go to Dallas, and I don't have to do my show from my parents' house, and I can actually just enjoy a few days. Yeah, nothing wrong with that, bro. So that's reality, man. So it doesn't bother me at all. And I will say this. I was actually hoping USC would get in, sorry. But I like seeing new teams in the playoff. Like, I I think it gets boring when it's always the same teams every year. Like, I was hoping that, you know, it's Georgia and Michigan, same as last year. And we've seen Ohio State before, but I was hoping that USC would get in because we've never seen USC. We've never seen TCU. I like seeing new teams. Oh, I ain't mad at you, though. It's all good. But I also like seeing really good games, and I don't know that we're going to get that. But we'll see. Generally speaking, the one of the semifinals is always a blowout. Hmm. And I don't think George is blowing out Ohio State. Oh, all right. Well, we'll take that. I don't think so. I mean, you've – I mean – Obviously, anything's possible. They play like they did against Michigan, but I, I just have a hard time. I mean, C.J. Stroud's a really damn good quarterback. They've got weapons. You know, Georgia just allowed LSU to put up 30 on them. Ohio State will be able to score. Yeah, we'll see if Ryan Day can show up and uh, let his nuts hang. Yeah, I mean, basically. You know, I think Michigan's a 9.5-point favorite over TCU, and Georgia opened as a 6.5-point favorite over Ohio State. So they're obviously telling you they think that that'll be a closer game than the Michigan TCU game. What's the line in that game? Uh, Michigan's a nine and a half point favorite. Oh, all right. That's Ooh, what it opened cool. at. I don't know what it's at by the time people though, because somebody will check it and it'll have moved. Like, no, it isn't. I'm like, okay, I'm just whatever. True that. True that. Because I know there's a lot of TCU people that listen to this, and you know what? Again, you guys are cool. 
I dated a TCU girl. I've spent a lot of time on the TCU campus. I just don't think they're that good. I just don't. You Sorry. Don't have to. I do think the Cowboys are good. Are they as good as the Eagles? I don't know. But we're going to find out in a couple of weeks. Hell yeah. Cowboys win today, man. It was a good one. Everybody have a great week. We will be back with our next episode coming up on Wednesday. We'll start taking a look back, a look ahead. Who knows what will happen in the next couple of days? A lot going on, especially in the world of college football, man, because not only is that happening, the transfer portal opens on Monday. And so kids are going to be transferring left and right, leaving schools, going to other schools. So we'll have a lot to get into on our next episode. Hope everybody has a great week and we will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.